You are listening to Rouge, White, and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Welcome to the Rouge, White, Blue CFL Podcast. My name is Oz Davis. I am co-host of this show. Joining me as always is my co-host Joe Pritchard, to whom I ask, how are you, Joe? Are you doing better than the BC Lions who only needed 22 passes to jump out of Bernie Adams and still scored 40? I don't think I'm doing as well as they did last weekend. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't gotten any pit sixes this week? No. <laughs> right, okay, so we're going to talk some CFL football. We're really uh, in the thick of it now. Two more weeks before this sucker's over. We could move into the playoffs. Are there even playoff scenarios this week, Joe? Yes, there are playoff oh, okay. scenarios. All right, so we'll talk about that next week. I, I wasn't sure if anything could be affected this week. Um, but first, I have an intriguing semi-personal matter to deal with with Joe uh, regarding the CFL. Joe, or I guess earlier this week, late last week, uh, posted this very intriguing-looking picture on Facebook uh, with his son being the dutiful Facebook dad uh, posting pictures of his boy who is, and this was probably the more shocking part of the photo for me, who was wearing a Hamilton Tiger catcher and was standing in front of, which I guess is some kind of game board, uh, a football gridiron shape game board with the CFL logos on either end zone, including like the Montreal Concours. So like, what is this game? And why did your son switch allegiances so quickly? Is it because the uh, Elks were bounced from the playoffs? Or? Well, we'll get to the game first. <laughs> uh, that was the pick, the, the picture you saw was uh, of a game called Canadian Armchair Football. Uh, it was made in 1985, which explains the Concords uh, and also why the end zones were a little bit longer than you might have expected them to be because it was the year before they cut down from 25 to 20 yards. Um, so, yeah, it's just a very basic pick your pick one of your 14 different offensive plays you can call and roll the dice. My little boy oh. loves to roll dice. So, <laughs> Be careful. Uh, uh, yeah, the, the idea is to keep him from gambling on some <laughs> dice. So let's find as many different new, right, in air quotes, board games that he can play and enjoy and, you know, spend five, 10 minutes on and move on to the next thing because he's four, right? Wow. This, this kid could be the last great sports tabletop game player. Maybe. <laughs> I, I got <laughs> to pass it along. Yeah, yeah, good for you, good for you. Um, but what's with the? Okay, I can understand kind of because there's the. I think that the Tiger Cats is probably the best uh, name for a kid that's just going to arbitrarily choose a team because hey, Tigers, Cats, that's cool. That's the kids gotta love that. Uh, but there was the highly pervasive, you know, sort of. 
peer pressure in his school uh, who were wearing, you know, green and gold football uniforms. So what precipitated that switch over? Well, he likes yellow. That's the long and short of it. And in 85, they're wearing yellow helmets, right? Ah, okay. Oh, yeah, you made, you made one leap there before I got there. Okay. Yeah, that's, I got that's, it. that's pretty much it. I mean, I'm not going to make him make any huge, super, super long-term life decisions until uh, <laughs> he's at least five when I first made my one of my sports allegiance choices. Um, so he's got about he's got about four weeks to figure this crap out, and then he's got to be stuck. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> he has four weeks until he's five, but no, he can he can take a sweet time if he feels like it. <laughs> but yeah, the off season is coming up. He's gonna forget all about his allegiances, and he's gonna grow out of any clothes he's got right now. So but yeah, that, that I think you saw a different picture of him wearing a Hampton Tiger Cat shirt. He grew out of that yeah. two years ago. <laughs> right. Oh, okay. Right. 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 Yeah, but it won't be much longer. And the truth is, not to put a dampener on the situation or anything, but the truth is, is that biologically, it is very rare to have any long-term memories before like age six, I think it is. I mean, it's like physiologically, your brain is still learning how to make the thing called long-term memories. So it's very rare that you have anything before you're five or six years. So, yeah, I'm lucky to have a few from younger than that, but a sure, few. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. And they're probably wrong. You know, they've probably been like colored through time as your brain. Oh, I'm sure they they were, you know? they were, um, well, they were, they were made in the eighties. So all the TV shows look like they were from the seventies. So I'm sure <laughs> that was how my brain was processing things too. So <laughs> for example, very well done. All right. Um, okay, so I guess the news of the day is this flat doodle going on in Saskatchewan. Now, the riders are still in the running for the playoffs. I mean, you've seen the scenarios. Uh, they still have a viable chance of the playoffs, or is it an outside chance? Well, they're seventh out of six right now, so right. they're on the outside. What they need to do over the next two weeks is win one more game than Hamilton does. Oh, that's what they okay. have to do. Okay. So, because right now they're tied in the standings. However, given that they would cross over if they were to achieve a playoff berth, they need to be ahead of Hamilton. They're tied. So, Saskatchewan's got to win one more or tie a game and have Hamilton lose them all or whatever. They got to score. One more standings point than Hamilton, and really two because how many ties happen? But yes, they need to they need to have a better record than Hamilton at the end of the season. Right now they're tied, so Saskatchewan's the odd team out. Right. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. All right. So as I understand it, Cody Fajardo is out as starter, and as far as he's concerned, he's out of Regina. What, yeah, tell us. It, it was tell pretty clear. It was pretty clear when he was uh, being talked to by the media today uh, that he had one foot out the door already, and I can't say I blame him because he's get <laughs> been given next to no support this year, dragged the team to the six wins they've got. 
he did have some help earlier in the season with with uh, with Jamal Morrow uh, putting up some good numbers before he got hurt. Uh, but it's he's been he's had a complete lack of support from his offensive line since at since basically the first month of the season, if not before right. that even. So they got done, done. They got done beating up on Eastern teams who were not prepared to start the season. Yep. And since and then, then they got beat up on themselves. Right. Right, and then since then it's been payback. Yes, for, for the for the favorable schedule season. So, yeah, because he was saying things today like, "I hope there's somebody out there that might still want me." I don't think it's the end of the Cody Fajardo football book. I think it just might be the end of the chapter. I mean that that tells me that he's not back in green next year, no matter what. Uh-huh. You don't say that kind of thing if you think there's a chance that. You're coming back as the number one guy. Well, geez, it's hard to tell who's coming back for the Riders next year. I mean, especially if they if they miss the if anybody. Playoffs, I mean, Jesus, who who get comes the, back? Get the broom at that point, right? right. I mean, the, I mean, just yesterday, Tuesday, we were being told by Craig Dickinson that oh, Cody just had a vet day. That's why he wasn't number one. Where okay. it turns out that that decision had been made before the weekend (laughs) or at the beginning of the weekend. So he was clearly not being truthful in any sense of the matter. I mean, it's clear, clearly going to be news when your backup is taking the number one reps. If you're going to make the change, why are you hiding it for a day? What do you think it's going to change? What Calgary is going to do? That would be the only rationale, right? Because again, like we that's, see it. Over- that's about it. But for a season right. that's been so clunky with all the different, <laughs> all the different things that have gone on out there, uh, the coaching staff hasn't really done a whole lot to inspire confidence that they're make that they're good at decision making at this point. Chase, dude, they've won two games since July. I mean, like, like it's one. It's one thing to be not so good at coaching football is another thing to like completely lose your team. Oh yeah. 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 And they have, and, and Dickinson Dickinson and his guys have, they have for a long time. Uh, yeah. You would ask me in June if Saskatchewan was going to be making a coaching change at the end of the year. I don't look like you were nuts, but <laughs> uh, okay. really it looks like Craig Dickinson is doing everything he can to get fired. I wonder if he, I wonder if he just doesn't like his situation there and is, Doing and making all, all the wrong decisions on purpose because that's the <laughs> most logical explanation in my brain right now. Because, like, every situation he's run into this year, he's making the wrong decisions. And I'm not talking about the on field stuff, I'm talking about everything off field, like every poor decision he can, every way he can make it uh, something worse off the field, he's doing that. Yeah, and you can you can look at front office too. You can look at like you know off the field management as well. There's been all this stuff about the field this season, uh, you know about prices over there. Da 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 da. Uh, you know, again, there was the schedule thing at the beginning of the year, so you know it's just it's a rough situation. The I I I think and the lack of talent on the offensive line. Right. I mean, like like who is going to want to play for this team? Whether they've cleaned house or not. I mean, this team could very well end up look like Ottawa 
<laughs> you know, next year. You're and you're going into a into a place that's very passionate about its team, right? And could be very and could be very supportive when you're doing well, right? But you have a situation where the team is not doing well. The pat the passion backfires on you from time to time. So well, well, who would who would openly choose to make that the place that they would want to go this off season? Yeah, right, right, right. It's gonna be a tough, 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 tough season. Gonna be a tough sell, uh, regardless of, of who's in there or not at this point, because it's a lose lose situation, I think, for a free agent uh, coming over there. Uh, gonna be a lot of draft picks, <laughs> gonna be a lot of undrafted American guys, I think. Right. Okay. So let's talk about last week's games. I thought there were some interesting things happening. Uh, and I don't just say that because we started the week with it. Montreal win. Um, although that helped. Montreal Alouettes 34 at Ottawa Redblacks 30. Um, just general impressions. You know, of course, everybody saw the Alouettes were playing catch up the whole game. I mean, start of the game off. This was so wild. What a way to start the week, really, in the CFL was with this trick play on offense. The double pass. Okay, now, of course, this is Ryan Davis's only pass, right? But this was Shaquille Johnson's only catch. This was his only target, okay? No yards after the catch. 45-yard play. It's the longest play for the Red Blacks. You know, this is the way we start. And, of course, after that, you figure the Montreal defense is like, uh, we didn't plan for that, you know. Couple plays later. Okay, so from this point, we're behind, behind all the way. We're behind with four and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter. But it was at that point, Joe. It was at that point when I had the revelation that the Alouettes could very well be in the Great Cup this year. In fact, I think they're going to win the East. And here's why: because despite the fact that we have Trevor Harrison, their quarterback, we quite possibly have the best wide receiver and the best running back in the league. We do. We certainly have a better combination, a better 1-1 than any other team. We just do. I mean, the thing was, you know, uh, again, Stanback couldn't really get going. But on the final drive, I mean, I have it down here on this final drive. This is exactly what you want from these Alouettes. This is exactly what Kari Jones wanted to do back in the day. Four and a half minutes. We need a touchdown to win this game. Okay. Fletcher gets 20 yards. Antwi gets 20 yards. Harris scrambles for 12. Dominique Davis does his one-yard plunge thing to get a first down. And Stanback gets 21 yards including the touchdown. That's the way the Alouettes should be playing if they had a running game. <laughs> this is what we've wanted to see in Montreal since week one when Stanback went out. Okay? This is, I mean, again, Eugene Lewis didn't do very much. He had six targets, five catches. Okay. But the thing was is now that Lewis is out there, we've seen all year what he can do. Finally, Harris is able to utilize our other guys. 
because he can set up second down plays with runs on first down. You know, this again, this is what I've been waiting for all year. And and it was confirmed. Harris kept his cool. They had this nice conservative drive, didn't mess around. In fact, the one incompletion on the whole drive, there's only four uh, pass attempts, all short. The only incompletion was when he went for it to Lewis in the end zone. It was like a 22-yard attempt or whatever. This is the Alouettes team we want to see going in. Now, I don't know. Like, like a bit of a spoiler here. The Argos are actually favored at Montreal next week. But I'm kind of happy where the Alouettes are. And, you know, and you spent, you spent your time focusing there. I thought Ottawa played a pretty decent game themselves. Sure. Oh, yeah. This wasn't This wasn't the same Ottawa team we've seen all year. No. Montreal no. had to go win that game at the end. And Ottawa settled for one too many field goals, which has been their want for the last five years. But they were settling for one too many field goals instead of that's all they've got the whole game. So Montreal had to had to earn that one, and they did. I mean, it's insane. It's insane how good the Eastern teams look right now. <laughs> you know? We've been disparaging them all year. They've racked, you know, a couple of them at the bottom there have racked up all these losses. But geez, this week they all look good. This week they all scored 30 points or more. Every team in the East was putting up points this week. You know, no, no, wait, no. Uh Hamilton had like 27. Oh, they had 35. Oh, did they? Oh, okay. Okay. Right. Right, 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 right. Yeah, because they had a touchdown. Right. Toronto had 28. So, so I mean, oh yeah, okay, it's right. That's it. Yeah, twenty-eight, twenty-three. Um, so you know, all these teams right now are looking really good. In fact, I was thinking, geez, it's unfortunate. This is the best game Ottawa's played this year, and then Hamilton just played their best game. You know, and then these two teams are probably duking it out for that last playoff spot. So, um, I just was really pleased with the Alouettes. You you have to be pleased with the Red Blacks as well. Um, again. They got two more games. They could still we're grading them, we're grading them on a curve, of course. Right. But, but again, they could still look, it's week 19 and they can still pull it out. They can still do this mathematically. And not even just mathematically with an asterisk, you know, realistically. Just have to win out. They win both these they, games. They have to win out, and Saskatchewan has to lose out, which is also realistic. Mm. Yeah. Now having all four games fall the exact right way, less probable. But well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just from a straight odds perspective, you're looking at about one in ten. You probably get up the book, you know, and those are bad odds. So it's probably about one in forty. Not great, but still, I mean, still, they've done enough to survive in this season so far. All right. Next up, like you're saying, another Eastern team, Hamilton Tigers got thirty, Calgary St. Peter's twenty seven. No, sir, I got thirty five, thirty two. Oh, sorry, Jesus. Yeah. It was it was thirty to twenty seven going into the, in the fourth quarter. I think it was um, from my notes here. I was going to talk about the unfortunate of Calgary. Um, what did you make of Hamilton in this game, particularly Dane Evans uh, looking pretty good? They have played better over the last month or so. Yeah, they yeah. they've honestly I think they're better than six and ten. They've let far too many games 
run away with run away from them in the second half where they had no right losing those games. And I think it's violent. They're finally figuring out a way to put away games that they weren't earlier this season. I, I remember the first matchup between these two Hamilton, let Calgary creep back into it, creep back into it, creep back into it. And all of a sudden Calgary's walking away with a win in a game. They had no right to win. After losing the uh, two, the back to back to Toronto and taking the bye, they've been three and one. They've been three and one, and uh, they've won both time, both ways, uh, beating the Bombers forty eight thirty one. This game thirty five thirty two, and then they they took out Saskatchewan, uh, that very strange and entertaining game last week eighteen fourteen. So they're doing it in all ways right now. Damn it, you know again as a as the fan of one of the other Eastern teams, hate to see this. Hate to see this happen. Same old, same old Tiger Cats, man. Ugh. Looking forward to the semi, aren't you? <laughs> Less all the time. Less all the time. Damn, Montreal's got to win these last two games. <laughs> um, I don't know. On the other hand, I, mean, I don't know. You're, you're kind of an optimist, so you could probably put the optimist spin on Calgary's game. But no. I... No, really. Okay, because I really felt like... I mean, the difference was the three interceptions. And that's right. something Jake Mayer hasn't done. Right. He hasn't right. made those mistakes. Right. And this and game, he the, he made killer mistakes. Oh yeah. And if you're and and if you're just start doing that late in the season, right before the playoffs, that's a bad time to start making killer mistakes. He's had games where he hasn't put up a ton of numbers or a ton of yardage, but he's always picked the ball. And all of a sudden, it's not happening. Yeah. Yeah, it was, and and it was, and it was not just important too. I mean, you look at these three three picks all in the first half. Um, you know, the first one he's throwing it into a crowd, you know, and his guys are outnumbered four to two. <laughs> the second one, he's trying to throw the ball away, and it's like, dude, throw it a bit more like out of the field play, you know. And on the third one, it's just totally telegraphed it, and you got to pick six. But it was at the point where. You know, by the time it was 24 to 10, you felt like it should be the reverse. I mean, this is not leaving points on the field. This is just giving up opportunities. I mean, you know, and still, and still, Calgary was ahead in the fourth quarter of this game. You know, it's like, wow. So, I mean, jeez. I mean, like, in that fourth quarter, they looked really good. I mean, you've got to like Sean Lemon forcing the fumble. Uh, you gotta like the uh, Paradays and the little uh, the short punt or the short kickoff. I mean, that was amazing. He just, he caught it on the bounce like it was a basketball and like ran with it. That was fantastic play. Um, so they were doing some pretty nifty stuff in the fourth quarter. I just like wow, we were just not accustomed to seeing this out of a Stampede's quarterback, especially one they mayor. You know, so. I don't no. know. So you're you're more, Do you think this goes forward, or is this just an aberration? It, it it might be an aberration, but it's a bad time to have an aberration, especially when you're yeah. trying to when you're working on trying to clinch at least one home playoff game. Mm-hmm. This couldn't have come in a worse time. Yep, they have been trying to catch up to BC all year, they, and and they still are. You know, there's there's almost like this perception 
that Calgary is the number two team in the West. I mean, we talk about it like That's that on gone. the show. In my yeah. mind, that is gone. Yeah. Well, yeah, they've had a few choice. games get away from them that right. shouldn't have gotten away. And right. that's what that's how they last decade, those are games they win. They should they should there's a feeling that they should be in second. And and I'd like to see the Pythagorean numbers on this. Do you know how to do uh to calculate Pythagorean wins? I don't have that off the top of my head. I'd have okay. to go dig in my I I did it about five years ago, but I okay. don't have it. I don't have the numbers off the top of my head. Uh, I mean, really though, the easiest way to look at it is to look at points for and points point differential. Yeah, 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 yeah. Your point differential is going to, do, and then a certain amount of above it is extra wins. A certain amount of below it is extra losses and such. Um, yeah, they're neck and neck with Cal with BC. They, I think they're like. 10 points better than bc across the whole season so in okay. in the big scheme of things that's nothing at all right right yeah okay so so they're not even particularly unlucky they're just playing bad for stretches of these games <laughs> um whereas bc <laughs> seems to be able to do no wrong these days uh yeah so i figure my theory on data is that he started reading that people were coming for his job um, about four weeks ago, and thus the, the Tiger Cats are now a viable playoff team. Next up was Toronto Argonauts 28, Edmonton Elks 23. How do you explain this game? Because the Elks led for much of it. Famously, of course, they still haven't won as the Elks at home. They haven't won in Edmonton since 2018. Um, and it, I don't know. Did you believe they had this one? No. Really? No. Really? They're, they're not a team I trust with leads. I guess that's a good point because in my notes, you know, I, th I thought Cornelius had a really good game, but really key to that was is that literally he was not pressured at all in that first uh, three quarters. And then the fourth quarter, he got hustled four times he got sacked once once he got well he threw the pick i don't know if he had to, but he was he was way out of the pocket through the pick and then another time he, he scrambled for a good 16 17 yards so you know i i tended to see the positives for the elks in this one but you may be right they they really did just run out of material <laughs> in yeah, that their secondary point. their secondary isn't one I would trust to hold. Yes, away. when when yeah. you're being asked yes. to hold down the fort in the fourth quarter, no, right. not with that. That group is the same group that got torched by BC a few times, got torched <laughs> by Winnipeg. Just I, I mean, we're talking about the class of the league here between those two teams, and Calgary had their way with them too. I mean, sure, good teams are going to beat bad teams, but that's exactly it. Edmonton's not a good team, so and. Their secondary isn't anything to write home about. So that's not one I'm going to count my chickens on. Yeah, well, BC and Winnipeg, too, are the teams with the most viable wide receiver targets, right? So in, in that's Calgary, the other. In Calgary didn't take it easy on them either. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Edmonton doesn't have the horses uh, to do that. I mean, again, I thought the offensive line did well for a while, and I thought the pass was pretty impressive. Uh, but then, you know, Toronto just had more, won the fourth quarter. 
Were, were you particularly impressed with the Argonauts, especially Bethel Thompson, who has now kept this cool in the fourth quarter in consecutive weeks? I think that's the part that's impressive is that they don't they don't seem to scare anybody. You don't see anybody out there going, "Oh, I I I, I don't want to play the Argos this week." They're scary, but they they have a veteran core. They have a they have a good coaching staff that knows their business as far as game planning goes. We've talked about the deficiency and sometimes and some of the game management decisions. Again, that's something I think can be learned a lot easier than, hey, learn how to scheme against these eight <laughs> other teams and try to make and try to make your team look better when your personnel it's pretty much the same as what everybody else has you're, you're going to have a few you're going to have a few places where you're better they're going to have a few places where they're better no matter what team it is in this league that's always going to be the case but their schemes have get, have put them at 10 and 6 their game management decisions haven't helped them a lot but they haven't actually killed them either yeah yeah well they haven't really i can't recall them throwing away a lead uh, this season. Sometimes they can't make up ground, but again, I can't believe, I, I don't believe that they've really blown a late lead this year. So, um, or, yeah, or in any case, not a big one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're talking about three points or if, within a score, yeah, half that might have happened. That might, that might have happened. Yeah. I can't remember remember off the top of my head but yeah yeah you know, we're so. not talking about as some hamilton-esque collapse <laughs> like hamilton had earlier in the year <laughs> really i think that's a lot of the difference between hamilton and the rest of the east right now is they couldn't put away games that they were supposed to put away well geez i mean how about the alouettes like losing three games out of the first four on the last play right i mean i mean it would be nice to have one or two of those back, you know? Sure, Hamilton's got at least two of them that yeah. they had no excuse losing. Yeah, I mean, it feels like, I mean, again, like these Eastern teams are rounding into shape right now. You know, these a lot of these Eastern teams are peaking out or are at least stable, like in Toronto now. And they, might, and they might be treated as the home team in Regina should Winnipeg show up there in the Grey Cup. Mm. <laughs> now that would be interesting. Um, although, wow, somebody, I guess Hamilton would draw fans, neutrals, uh, Montreal. They may, yeah, they might not get on Hamilton's bandwagon too much. Yeah, yeah. See, that's the thing. It's just like, okay, Toronto. Maybe. At that, at that point, I mean, if you're looking to go to the game and haven't bought your tickets yet, you're hoping for Hamilton, Winnipeg times three <laughs> because then all the writer fans are just going to sell their tickets and say screw this crap <laughs> nice. strategic great cup great cup ticket brought to you by joe for true very nice very nice okay um real quick then bc lions 40 winnipeg blue bombers 32 um okay well I mean, I guess looking at it one way, you could say, yeah, Winnipeg scored 31 points with their second string. Um, most Mostly second string. I mean, you know, second string quarterback, a uh, lot of second string secondary, second string kicker. 
their kicker was second stringer this week, right? No. That wasn't their, their starter, was it? Yeah, oh, it was like it was like you. Oh, right. One for four Legio. Jeez. And, and I mean, to think, to and, think and they and might have won this stop game. you right there. <laughs> Legio's had a couple of rough games this year. Oh, yes, he has. However, if it's not the Montreal game in Winnipeg, and if it's not this game in BC, he's the most accurate kicker in the league. Yep. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. And he's also like 23, 24, could do both things. He's got the right passport. <laughs> you take the good with the bad. Right. In defense of Legio, because also, here the, at... also like every kick he had was a fifty yarder this week. What are you gonna do? He's not gonna. Oh play. yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. You might I'm expect so... two out of four, but I'm not gonna get too exercised about this one. Look, I was just happy that the that the Bowers lost this game because I don't want to have to praise them again. I didn't want to have to come on here and go, "Wow, they scored forty one points with mostly second team." It was about cool. half half. Second stringers on the offense, yes. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. definitely there. Uh, they did leave a definite, uh, definitely left a contingent of veterans home that would have normally otherwise played. Yeah. Uh, but BC did take advantage of the situation. They played well enough to win. And I don't see a negative for any of this for any team because <laughs> Drew Brown got some good experience. He showed he can play. He showed he can move the ball. He had a few learning moments that the the young U.S. quarterbacks come out here and try that out pass once like that. <laughs> he got to learn that in a not, yeah. in a game that doesn't really impact them. I'll take that as a win. Oh yeah, of course. And 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 plus, look, I mean, the truth is, is that uh, you know he threw two pick sixes, right? You did get the one punt return touchdown but yet you still got 25 points out of this offense yeah and lots of yardage and it 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 was enough so that if the worst happens to zach kalaros who by the way signed a three-year extension yeah it was a good it was a good morning yay for you Um, Yes, uh, as much as I know you love that idea. Um, <laughs> if the worst happens is that goes down for any stretch of time here over the next month or so, I f- it, there's definitely going to be panic in the streets in Manitoba, but maybe just a little bit less because Drew Brown, A, came in and won the week one game at the end when Zach was taken out for concussion protocol, drove the team right down the field in a game where the Winnipeg offense has scored 10 points the whole game and scored the winning points against Ottawa in week one. And then came into BC into a tough environment at a place that teams do not tend to play well in. Put up 25 points, put up over 300, 300 yards. Sure. Uh, it's it's going to make, it's going to make that situation. Hopefully that, never comes to pass but if it does come to pass it's going to make that situation just a little bit less completely scary calgary's kicking themselves for this one though i'll tell you that <laughs> because you know i mean i mean like now calgary needs everything to go right right to, to host right i mean like one fewer pick six bc by one this game 
Legio hits a couple more field goals to better win this game. And, of course, the big deal on this game, the real outlier, was uh, Terry Williams. Right? 341 yards. This is the reason why in return yards of various sorts. I mean, this is the reason why Vernon Adams only needed 138 yards. BC was always in position in this game. You know, it was like every time Legio missed or every time they had to punt, you know, suddenly they're, you know, BC's back in position. What a game by Terry Williams. You know, it's, 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 I mean, hopefully he can do something like this going forward because it's kind of too bad that this effort, you know, came in this game, which again, wasn't a huge deal. I mean, I guess it was a big plus for BC. It went stand. a long way to toward clinching the getting that game. Yeah. At home. All right. Fair yeah. enough. There was Fair something enough. for BC to play for. There was absolutely nothing for Winnipeg to play for. They both got a desired result out of this. I'm sure Winnipeg would have wanted to win the game. I'm not going to say. Yeah. That. Yeah. They didn't. They didn't. They, they took some measures to make sure they weren't going to lose anybody any of their veteran stars for an extensive length of time. So they clearly knew that this was going to be a harder game to win than usual. They came close to winning it. Yeah. They got, they got a good look at their backup quarterback, got him some valuable playing time. You're never going to hear Michael Shea say that a loss is acceptable in any way, shape or form. But if you have to take a loss, this is the kind of loss you want to take. Right, this is not the one where you're going to commit Harry Carey about it. Right. Afterwards. You, um, you'll, live, you'll live with, with this one. If this game is in Winnipeg, do they win? Well, we'll see in two weeks. <laughs> I mean, really, at, at that point, BC's probably playing their backups, too. So we'll be yeah. seeing some, we'll be seeing some uh, third exhibition game. Yeah, going on. Yeah, I've been seeing some practice squad players out there for that. Um, okay, right. Uh, we're gonna talk next week's games, but real quick playoff uh scenarios. What are they? We've got playoff scenarios. So for the West, we know Winnipeg's number one. I don't tire saying that, that's why I said it. <laughs> um, so a BC win. Or a Calgary loss, and BC clinch a second place, and will host the Western Semi on November 6th. This would also carry over to next week if it happens to be that Calgary wins and BC loses. Right, so BC... The magic, the magic number is magic one. Number is one. Right. 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 They got to have one out of four things happen for them. So I would right. say you're pretty safe on buying your playoff tickets in BC. <laughs> East Division. A Toronto win and Oz is sad. Because um, that means that Toronto hosts the East Final November 13th at BMO. And the last game of the season's meetings. Right. Toronto, Montreal. And that would make both of us sad just because we like meaningful games. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for Montreal and Toronto, man. I'd love to see that game. <laughs> Go Montreal. I already put my money down on Montreal this year. They're going to win. All right. So a Hamilton win and a Saskatchewan loss means that Hamilton clinches third place and will play in the Eastern semifinal on November 6th. On the road, of course, probably Montreal, but there's still a chance it's Toronto. A Hamilton win 
or a Saskatchewan win eliminates Ottawa from playoff contention. And again, Ottawa's in that seat where they have to sweep up Hamilton and help Calgary sweep Saskatchewan. Right. And then they get the tiebreaker over Hamilton and Saskatchewan because crossover. Okay. Yeah, Ottawa and Calgary are sympathetic because they both need to win out and they need their nemesis to lose out in order to move up that one more spot. So they're basically in the same situation, albeit with different final results. <laughs> right. Um, Calgary has some of Ottawa's playoff lifeblood in there. Right. Too, so. Right. 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 Yep. Yep. All right. Wow. <laughs> wow. Very interesting. A lot to play for here with two weeks left to play, except for damn Winnipeg and Edmonton. Lots to play for. Let's talk about those games next week. We're starting it off not with Montreal. Fantastic. Ottawa Red Blacks, six-point underdog at Hamilton. Wow. Wow. Very interesting to see this one. The Red Blacks are playing for their lives. Clearly, Hamilton's a talented team. Probably Hamilton to be considered the hotter team. You're probably going to take Hamilton in this game, right? Hamilton wins this game. Okay. What's the scenario for Ottawa? Ottawa is going to play like they have the last couple weeks and make Dane Evans make a a critical mistake or two. Really, that was the big, big difference last week. There was no critical mistake at the end. Right. 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 Kept his cool. Uh, everything went right. right. And they got they got it done in very short order. Okay. Um, gee. Does playing for your life mean anything? Does that? I want to say they have been playing for their lives ever since Bob Dice got in, got in place. Because they've obviously stepped up their game. They know that they were on the edge of playoff elimination already at that point because you're that far into the season and you got three wins. Well, like <laughs> win now or forget it. So they've been playing like that. They just happen to not to be able to finish off Montreal. Mm-hmm. It, 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 I don't think it's going to, I don't think they have another boost left in them. They are what they are at this point. They're going to play better than they have for the first three and a half months of the season. Is it going to be enough? I don't think so. <laughs> I just Hamilton's doing the same thing, and Hamilton's at home. Okay, uh, I'm going to take the cautiously optimistic viewpoint here, and I'm going to take the plus six. So, uh, if I were playing pick, I probably would not pick Otto. So, I'll, I'll say Hamilton wins it, but in a close spot. All right, so here, next up, we have BC Lions. Seven-point favorites at Edmonton. Um, now, hasn't BC been pretty good against Edmonton this year? I think. Uh, they had a pretty, played, couple I, I of pretty say good they, games. I want to say they – I know in week one they cleaned their clock. I want to say the second time around was about more of the same. Yeah. They, did. I, they have over 90 points in the two games. <laughs> so right. they, I won't guess, have like, to, they won't have to score 46 this week to win this one. Especially no, but don't you think that they're Edmonton, like jacked up? Edmonton's minus Taylor Cornelius this week. He is out. 
And Taylor Cornelius was doing a creditable job as a starting quarterback. Yeah. And he's earned another shot next year. Yeah. Yeah. Cornelius, uh, especially in this past game, he was looking like the best athlete on the field, which is what the quarterback should be. But it was apparent, you know, in this case. He was, yeah, moving out of the pocket whenever necessary, running in, whatever. He looked good. He, he looked met among boys. Uh, really, the only, the only scenario of BC losing this week is Trey Ford gets on the field and it's just magic. And he's too young right. to have it all together in my mind. He's going to do some really fantastic things. He's also going to do some monumentally ridiculous things. And that's going to be enough for BC to win, even if BC plays their C game. So you think this is going to be a fun game? It's going to be, it it's going to be a high potential that It could be a fun high-flying game, or Edmonton could just come out and fall flat on its face. Because right. Right. those two are pretty much the only options on the table when it comes to Edmonton this year. Either they make it fun or they just flop right on their faces and that's it. And you pretty much know by the end of the first quarter which one you're getting. I wonder about a Vernon, Vernon Adams offense blowing anybody out though. I really do. On the on the other hand, wow, if any team in the CFL has had any other team's number this season, it's, it's this matchup right here. Um, like I said, Edmonton secondary isn't a good matchup against the BC wide receiver. Yes. Yes. So. Right. Right. And if Bernie can get the ball there, even half right. as good as Nathan Rourke was doing, I'm not worried about this one. All right. So here we go. There's the game I'm looking forward to. Toronto Argonauts. One and a half point favorites at Montreal. Man, again, I'm sold. This game should really, the way that these two teams are playing, I think this game should be a pick 'em. The reason why I say that is because I think, well, I'm looking for Stanback to break out this week. I think he breaks out, and I think that's worth a point and a half right there. I, I was pretty surprised when I first took down this line. I thought it was uh, Alouettes by one and a half. But in fact, it's Toronto. Now, it's got to be getting close to the cold season in friggin' Quebec, doesn't it? I mean, it might be pretty cold there, huh? Yeah, it might be. I mean, we've had we've had some close to sub-zero highs here. Wow. Wow. So I would imagine. It sounds like Western Canada's been fine. They're sitting there in their shorts yeah. still. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. not exactly thrilled with that, but... If it can stay that way through November, I'm okay with that. Because <laughs> um, I'm still waiting for that. Because uh, I've been to five great cups. I'm still waiting for the one that I show up and it's just minus 20 the whole week. It'll happen someday. I'm just hoping it's not this year. <laughs> I, I realize that I'm being irrational. I'm betting that this is this is going to be the standback game. I'm, I'm going to go down saying that. I think that's the scenario in which the outlets win. So that's what I'm going with. I'm going outlets. Like I said, I've already actually put that money on this. So All right. Alouette's money line, think, baby. I just think Toronto's the more consistent team. They're a little bit less dynamic, but I they're going to give you the same 
more often than not, and Montreal's still a little bit too spotty for me, up and down. So if I'm going to make a pick on this game, I'm saying Toronto. Okay, but okay, but here's my other view. In terms of talent, are are these teams equal, or is Toronto that much better? They're probably equal talent wise, right? Because I, I just think I, Toronto's better coached. Hmm. 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 Might be. Might be. I don't know. I was kind of disappointed by the defense last week uh, by Montreal because I felt that really the previous couple of weeks before that, that Noel Thorpe's, you know, plans had finally been like clicking really nicely. And then this. So, but I don't know. I just feel like, you know, all things being equal, which they basically are. And with two, with a back to back coming, I think I'm going to go with the home team here. You know, it's yeah, just, and that, and that's fair. So, so I just, well, I just, it, looking at this matchup, I just feel like Toronto's more consistent. Okay. Oh, sure. Sure. But that's, that's the argument. <laughs> yeah. They got, they got more options to be really, they got more still in the offense than, than does Montreal. So, all right. Finally, it's Calgary who are only, this is, Pretty incredible. Two and a half point uh, favorites at Saskatchewan going with the new quarterback. Um, again, like I often point out these situations, we see this all the time where the backup quarterback comes in first time of the season and by dint of element of surprise, right? By dint of lack of game film, you know, shocking ups. Um, but I don't know. I'm not buying. I'm not buying. No, I better. Cal- I better. Calgary- Riders truth are all you. I'm not backing down. Calgary's better coach. Too well coached to fall for that crap. For one, for two, Saskatchewan isn't very well coached right now. They're <laughs> just. They seem to float from one disaster to another disaster, and they every time they hit one of them, they find a way to make it worse than it could have been. Uh, and really. Cal- uh, the way I have it picked, Calgary has nothing to play for by the time we get here, right? Because BC will have That's won true. and finish second. But, but if you're Calgary, are you really starting your backup? Think about that for a second. No, I not don't think you're pulling. Uh, you're not pulling bow off the shelf for this one. No. Uh, so you can give Jake Mayer as much game experience as you can. It's going to be a lot less of a third preseason game the next week might potentially turn out to be because uh, they're going to have one day's notice as to whether this game actually matters or not. So I don't think, I think this will be the game that they would play out as close to full strength as they get rest as many starters as they feel like resting next week and then go into the West semi with half a bye week basically. Yeah. And just as much as I believe that BC is going to play hyped this week after last week and the week before that, to be honest, um, I, I really think that Calgary is going to be playing angry. If they get bounced, they're going to be playing angry. Um, yeah. and they're going to be playing angry. They're going to have most of their starters yeah. playing. Yeah, They might sit a couple of guys strategically, but it won't be the quarterback because you, you don't want your young quarterback to have a couple weeks less experience going into the playoffs, would would you? I know he's probably played 
a full season between the last two, I want to say, but the more reps you get them, the better. And don't forget, next week they get the same team who might be on to their third quarterback at that, you know, depending on what happens in this game. Um, you know, before you were talking about we could we could close on this note as a note of doom for the Riders fans. We let off this show talking about the quarterback controversies and and Dickinson's woes as coach there in Saskatchewan. Is this the ultimate bad decision to let me lose my job? Switching to quarterbacks in a must-win game in week 19? It might might just scream desperation. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's what it is. That's what it is. I'm sick of Cody Fajardo. I've got nothing to lose. Which is too bad because he's... I'm not going to sit here and say he's played great all year, but he's had so little to work with as far as protection goes. Like, what more can you ask for from him? Oh, they should be eating this guy up. I'm sure the writers, like hardcore football fans, are, you know, the blue collar guys. He's a warrior. I mean, he's that cliche warrior. And he's out there on his own, right? You know, it's like football guys are supposed to eat this guy up. Except the most popular person in Saskatchewan is always the writer's backup quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And it's been that way for a minimal of 40 years at this point. I don't know. I, do, do the writer's fans really like anybody on this team right now? <laughs> I'm sure there's a few. I don't know if I can name them yet. <laughs> well, it's not in your interest. Uh, Brett Lowther. Brett Lowther, uh, they probably still like okay. Jamal Morrow. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Couple. <laughs> Nobody in the offensive line. I will tell you that. <laughs> well, there haven't been too many teams in history uh, on either side of the border that will draw fans based on the offensive line. Maybe the old Peyton Manning Colts, you know, with Jeff Saturday. Maybe them. But that's, that's, about, that's about the only modern example I can uh, in any case, all right, Joe. Hell of a show, buddy. Two more weeks to go on this season. Any more last words of wisdom? Go, go, Riders. <laughs> I, I won't be saying that. <laughs> okay, so for my recalcitrant partner, Joe Pritchard. I'm Thanks Austin. for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter. Twitter.